to Season 1, Episode 7 of Vixen, a Black Beauty and Pop Culture Podcast. If you enjoy what you hear today, please leave a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. Today's episode follows Trina Parks and Gloria Hendry, the first Black Bond girls in the 007 films. Now, let's start the show. Hey guys, quick disclaimer, if I sound a little funny on this episode, I'm sorry in advance. I went and ate some Asian street food this weekend that just passed, and I'm allergic to nuts. I ate something with nuts in it, and my top lip, y'all, is huge. I wish y'all could see it. It looks crazy. (laughs) But, you know, um, yeah, so if I sound funny, it's because I'm having an allergic reaction. I'm sorry about that. And, I mean, it's kind of what I get because I'm recording this episode a lot later than I normally record. If I would have recorded it at my regular scheduled time, um, I wouldn't have had this big old lip. (laughs) So, I mean, it is what it is. I got my clown wig on for that. I'm a clown for that. But, anyway, we move. So, yeah. So, today's episode is a little bit different, y'all. It's our first episode in this kind of format. So, let me know if you like it. Um, So this episode started off being written about one of our Bond girls that we're talking about today, but I couldn't find enough information about her. Like, there just wasn't enough meat for a full episode. Um, So I went and started working on another um, upcoming episode. But then I came back to it because I was like, hmm, I can just talk about two Bond girls at the same time and make it kind of a series. I think there's enough Bond girls for me to do one more episode like this. And also, it seemed appropriate because I saw a headline recently that Lashana Lynch is going to be 007 in an upcoming Bond film. So there's going to be a woman, not only a woman, a black woman, playing Bond, which is, that's crazy to me. So yeah, I figured, you know, it's appropriate. Shout out to Lashana. So yeah, I'm going to stop rambling and we're really going to get in the episode now. Okay. Trina Frazier was born December 26, 1947 in Brooklyn. From a young age, it was very clear that Trina was gifted. She did dance, voice, choreography, pretty much anything creative, Trina was a part of it. Um, In 1964, she graduated from the School of Performing Arts in Manhattan, and she was also a student of famous dancer Catherine Dunham. She danced for her dance company. Uh, She also danced at Alvin Ailey, Tally Beattie, Donald McHale, Jeffrey Holder, and many more. So she danced for a lot of famous dance instructors. Uh, She actually began teaching Catherine Dunham's techniques herself in 1970. Um, So she's working as a dance teacher. And that same year, a friend of hers who was a manager at an agency that represented professional dancers told her she had to sign with the William Morris Agency. So this was an agency that specialized in um, hiring dancers and casting them for, um, you know, just different gigs and movies and films and things like that. So Trina, you know, took her friend's advice and she started auditioning for acting gigs as well. Um, So soon after, the agency's president got a call for an actress for uh, the upcoming role in a Bond film and he encouraged Trina to audition. So the film's casting directors were looking for a dancer who also knew karate, which is so random. (laughs) And somehow Trina actually fit that description because she had studied karate with Catherine Dunham. Um, So I'm sure you guys know the history of the Bond movies. I feel like there's so many of them. You guys have had to have seen at least one. Um, But typically the Bond girls were like sexy 
uh, confident and you really had to have like an it factor to play opposite of Bond. I always felt like in all the ones that I've seen, um, the Bond girl is like very beautiful, very striking and just like has an air of confidence to her. So these girls are usually white 90% of the time. So it was actually pretty huge that Trina was casted in the role even though it wasn't a love interest of Bond. So obviously Trina got the role and in 1971 she played Thumper in the seventh installment of the Bond films called Diamonds Are Forever. So it made her the very first black James Bond girl and in the movie she plays a henchwoman named Thumper, like I said, uh, who wears a yellow bikini and she looks amazing and she beats the hell out of Sean Connery. <laughs> and she does like, the scene is really good. You guys can watch the whole movie. I forget where I watched it. I'll try to link it below. Um, but the scene with Trina is all over YouTube as well. But um, not only does she beat Sean Connery up, but she also does like these like fluid dance moves like as she does it. It's really cool to watch. I can't really describe it, but you have to go watch it. Um, so in a 2014 interview with PR Web, Trina admitted that at that time she didn't even know who Sean Connery was. <laughs> She was familiar with the Bond films, but dance and theater kind of ruled her world, so she didn't know much about the movies. Um, she said, I knew the Bond movies were successful, but I didn't know who Sean Connery was. My world was Broadway. I'd never even seen a Bond film. So it never crossed her mind that she was about to make history. She said, I was happy to get a job. <laughs> I was happy that right after I did the film, I was doing a play in New York. Um, and also, for that role, Trina choreographed all of her stunts and dance moves, and she got paid $1,000 a day, which is big money today. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, the scene that she's featured in, it actually includes two henchwomen. There's Thumper, and then there's Bambi, who was played by the actress Lola Larson. Um, the most famous part of the movie is when Thumper kicks uh, Sean Connery in the nuts. <laughs> Um, in an interview with the Windsor Star back in 1971, she said, I was a bit shocked when they told me I had to kick him. I certainly had never kicked a man before, but they told me to go ahead and be realistic. And he was well protected, so I kicked him hard, like the script said. She also said that on screen, it was the first time Bond had looked so vulnerable with a woman. People still tell me that they root for us in the fight, and I cannot think that's ever happened since with Bond. When Trina arrived at the hotel the cast was staying at to begin filming, Sean Connery himself actually sent a letter for her to come and meet him for coffee. She recalls him as being groovy, oh I love that, so 70s, warm and kind. He told Trina he wanted to meet the person who's going to beat him up and not to hold back and make it look as real as possible. The famous fight scene um, that they did with um, Trina, it actually took two weeks for that to be filmed because they couldn't use CGI or any special effects, of course. So the camera angles had to be really, really perfect uh, to give it that Bond energy. So like really sharp like scenes where like the camera pans around a lot. You can it, it almost feels like you're in the room with them as they're beating Sean Connery's ass. Like you guys, if you've seen a Bond film, you know what I'm talking about. Um, so yeah, it just had to be perfect to give it that Bond energy. Now we're going to shift gears into Gloria's story and how she got into a Bond film, and then we'll come back and talk about both Gloria and Trina together. Okay. So now we're going to shift gears from Trina Parks and start talking about Gloria Hendry. 
there's a little bit more information out there on Gloria than Trina. I'm not really sure why, but I just was able to find more stuff on her. Um, but yeah, let's talk about Gloria's beginning and how she got into a Bond film. So fast forward two years later, after Trina appears in um, Diamonds Are Forever in 1973, another Bond movie is filmed called Live and Let Die. And it starred Roger Moore as Bond, but it had another black actress. And this time she actually got to play um, Bond's love interest. And that actress is Gloria Hendry. So this is another big milestone, y'all. So just two years prior, we had the first black woman to even appear in a Bond film. Then we get another black woman. And this time she's actually playing Bond's love interest. So again, groundbreaking for the 007 film. So Gloria Hendry was born March 4th, 1949 in Florida. Her family, consisting of her single mom, her sister, and herself, moved to Newark, New Jersey shortly after and remained there until Gloria graduated from high school. Her childhood wasn't as arts and creative field as Trina's was, um, but she was active in the orchestra. She played violin, and she did a couple other activities, but not as extensive um, as Trina. So from what I've read, it seems like Gloria kind of always knew she wanted to be in art, but she was just kind of like, you know, being a regular kid, whereas Trina seemed to know exactly what she wanted to do from like the time she was a child. So, um, yeah, Gloria more so participated in sports like baseball, ice skating, volleyball, gymnastics, swimming. She did a lot, just not so much in the creative spaces like Trina. After graduating from high school, Gloria started attending Essex College of Business for Law to prepare for a position as a legal secretary. But then she went on to be the assistant to the legal secretary in the New York chapter of the NAACP. So pretty cool job. Um, and then from there, she started modeling on the side. And she actually worked as a Playboy bunny in the New York City Playboy Club. I'm telling y'all, Playboy. Playboy's in every episode. Like, they always come up. But anyway... From working there, Gloria was discovered and got casted in her first movie, which was called For the Love of Ivy in 1968. And then she got another film role in a movie called The Landlord in 1970. And she continued to work at the Playboy Club throughout all of this, and she left the club in 1972. So that year, Gloria had been on an extended trip to L.A., and she got a phone call from her manager who was like, you got to hurry up and get back to the city. You need to audition for this upcoming Bond film. Um, live and let die and he's like you got to pay for the trip yourself I don't know why I was so surprised to read that he was how you gonna urge somebody to come somewhere and be like but you got to pay for it though <laughs> but anyway Gloria was amused by the fact that he asked her um, to audition because she didn't really think she had a chance to land the role so like we talked about before the bond girl was typically white foreign like not Gloria, <laughs> you know, basically. So she was like, I'm not going to get that role. Like, you need to stop. But her manager's like, no, you need to go, and you got to go now. So Gloria decided to humor her manager, and she flew back to New York on her own dime, and she headed to the audition at the producer, Harry Saltzman's office. So Gloria didn't have to audition on the spot in his office. They just kind of met. He asked her how her flight was and how soon she'd be able to go to New Orleans to meet the director, Guy Hamilton, and Roger Moore, who was playing Bond, as I mentioned earlier. Um, Harry put Gloria on the next flight because she was like, let's go, let's do it. And actually had a car waiting for her when she arrived. And then 
The car took her to the French Quarter to have lunch with the director and with Roger Moore. Roger and Guy then took Gloria to the set of the movie and let her watch them uh, continue to film some scenes. And then after her stay, she headed back to New York City to gather some stuff and then she flew back to LA. And then a week later, she got the call from her manager with the good news. So Gloria ends up playing Rosie Carver in the movie, who is best described as a bad bitch, for lack of a better term. I mean, she's gorgeous, she's given body, she looks amazing in this movie, and she also did all her own stunts. Um, but, spoiler alert, like, you guys, go watch, if you want to go watch the movie, fast forward, like, 30 seconds, because I'm about to give a little spoiler. Okay, so basically in the movie, Rosie's not loyal, right? She's Bond's love interest, but she actually has a plan to kill Bond, um, and she's put up by she's put up to do this by the films he's the antagonist like he's the villain of the film dr k something i can't remember i don't know how to pronounce it but basically he is a drug dealer and also like the prime minister so anyway she's you know trying to like seduce bond so she can you know kill him or whatever so bond finds this out before they actually get to kill him and then he's like telling her i'm gonna kill you if you don't confess to doing this but she tries to run away from him, and she gets killed by accident by a booby trap that's set by the prime minister slash drug dealer who has a lot of jobs. But, uh, yeah, so that's basically her character, Rosie. Um, and Gloria filmed this movie in Jamaica from November to December in 1972. Much like Trina... Gloria had a really great time on set. Um, Roger and the producers were very kind to her. They often went to dinner together, went swimming together. Harry, the producer, even flew her mother to Jamaica so that her and Gloria could spend time together. She had her own chair, dressing area, personal publicity shots. She had a personal photographer, and she got to share a limo with Roger Moore. Um, so another interesting thing about this film so the role of rosie was supposed to be a white woman and then the role of solitaire who again spoiler alert that's the person the woman that bond ends up with at the end of the film so like another uh love interest that role was written for a black woman and one was actually hired to play the part i couldn't see who she was i was trying to find out what that actress's name was um but halfway through the filming they decided that it was too risky they decided that it was too risky to have a black woman end up with James Bond. So that's race relations, y'all. Even throughout the 70s and uh, probably even some people would say into the 80s, like people really didn't want to show a healthy relationship, a healthy interracial relationship on television or in film. So that's kind of sad that, you know, they decided to switch the role. Of course, like I'm glad that a black woman got the role and was included in the movie, but it's just kind of sad that they're like, nah, like, we don't want to shake the streets up too much with that. You know, we'll have, like, a black woman be a love interest, but she got to die, like, early in the film or whatever. So, yeah, therefore, the Rosie role was switched to a black woman, and the role of solitaire was switched to a white woman. So let's get into backlash from the film. When it was first released in South Africa... The intimate scenes between Roger and Gloria were cut out because interracial couples on screen was actually prohibited completely. Um, but that was all that really happened. I think it might have happened in some other countries as well. Gloria was actually featured in a lot of press about the show. She was asked to make a lot of appearances. And she got a couple endorsements, I believe, as well. She did mention in, 2000, in an interview she did in 2008 that 
all of a sudden one day her name just wasn't associated with the film anymore um and she just wasn't being brought up when bond girls were mentioned i'm not really sure why that is but i would definitely chalk that up to good old racism i think that because most of the bond girls are like model-esque white women it's very easy to cut women who look like trina and who look like gloria out of the conversation i think that people probably are able to justify it with um trina because she didn't play a love interest she was a henchwoman but at the same time i mean they both should be included in conversations about bond girls so that's interesting i'm not really sure uh why that happened and i couldn't really find anything on it other than what gloria said but i mean I had never really heard of them until I went to seek for them. So I totally believe that, you know, they just kind of stopped associating her with the film. Um, yeah. So, okay. So we've talked about Trina and Gloria's experience in being Bond girls. And now we can get into what's called the Bond effect. So after appearing in Diamonds Are Forever, Trina actually continued to act, dance, and chore um, choreograph several plays, shows, TV specials, movies she actually did a lot of really great work and she went on to open her own dance studio as well um she did act in a couple more films she was in the blues brothers the mothers and dark town strutters uh oh that rhyme. Uh, but most of her career was focused on like theater and dance she was also in the productions of snow queen emperor jones house of flowers and the selling of the president as well in 1975, Trina was a choreographer of the Tony Award-winning Broadway musical, The Wiz. So this was when The Wiz was on Broadway, and then this was later remade into the movie uh, starring Michael Jackson and Diana Ross. Um, and then after that, she went on to star in specials with Dionne Warwick, Dean Martin, Telly Savalas, and guess who, y'all? Guess who? I'm going to give everybody one second to guess who else she was in specials with. Sammy Davis Jr. <laughs> if you don't get the joke, go listen to every episode of Vixen 1 through 7. Thank you. Okay, so this is just to name a few, but yes, Trina was everywhere and in everything. So she continued to have a lucrative career after her moment in Bond, which is awesome. Maria Hendry was also pretty successful. She starred in a lot of black exploitation films after Live and Let Die. Um, some of them were Hell Up in Harlem. Uh, Black Belt Jones and Black Caesar. So we're actually going to do an episode in the next few weeks about the connection between black actresses, black exploitation movies, and spaghetti westerns soon. Um, it's going to be a similar format to this episode. So let me know if y'all like this because if you don't, I can tweak it. Um, but yeah, I definitely want to do an episode about that because a lot of black actresses and singers found a lot of success in black exploitation films and spaghetti westerns over in Italy. Um, so yeah, a lot of black actresses just stayed employed by these kinds of films, so we will definitely get into that. Gloria's career spanned past the 1970s. Uh, she acted in multiple shows and movies like Pumpkinhead 2 and Looking Italian. Her last film appearance was not that long ago, it was in 2012. She wrote a memoir called Gloria in 2008. It's on Amazon right now if you guys want to read it, it's very good. Um, she talks about Bond, uh, black exploitation films, and being a Playboy bunny. So that was the Bond effect for Gloria and Trina. I think they're both still working right now. I follow them on Instagram, and they both look amazing. Um, both still very beautiful, amazing skin. I don't know what it is about like the way that black women age in that skin. 
I don't know. But yes, look, find them on Instagram. They both still look amazing. Um, I think they're both still working, especially Trina. Trina seems to still do a lot of stuff. But yeah, so that was the bond effect for um, both Trina and Gloria. But a lot of women who are in the bond movies, they don't have the same experience. So there's something called the bond girl curse that we're going to talk about. It's actually really sad that some people don't propel um, because Bond is such a huge franchise. That's like, I, I can't even think of a movie that would compare to it. Now, I guess like if you were in one of the like Marvel movies or something and then you like disappeared off the face of the earth, like that would be insane because that's such a big franchise, right? Um, so it just seems like to me, I don't know, maybe you guys have a different opinion. Let me know. But I just feel like appearing in a Bond film, like, it really should propel your career, but, um, anyway, so the Bond Girl curse is based on the success of Bond Girl's post-film. A lot of Bond girls have gained a reputation for not getting any gigs after. Agents would even urge their clients to not take roles in Bond films because they would become unemployable. This was crazy to me. I really did not think this was the case. Yeah, I mean, it just seems crazy that, you know, some people wouldn't find success after a Bond film. But I think the reason why this might be happening is because, like we've been saying throughout the episode, a lot of Bond girls look, they don't, I, won't, I don't want to say they look the same, but they have a similar look, right? Like blonde. Um, tall, model-esque, white, so it's like, you know, I, I I don't know, and there's a lot of women in Hollywood who are already, like, relevant who look just like that, so that might have been why, you know, Trina and Gloria being black and having a different look probably ha gave them, like, an advantage, and also, like, a lot of the other Bond girls, they weren't American, and many of them actually did go on to have success in respective countries, so just like an American to like measure success by what's going on in the USA. A lot of them actually went and had really good careers in their respective countries. And also a lot of Bond girls, they weren't even actresses, they were models. So like they just did the role and moved on with their lives. So yeah, that is the Bond girl curse. Trina and Gloria really didn't experience that. Their careers continued to soar post-appearance in Bond. I think it's just because they didn't fit into the standard set for Bond girls and it ended up working out in their favor. So yes, black women win again. Um, Trina uh, herself actually credits the Bond films for helping to pave the way for more powerful ethnic roles in movies dominated for decades by white stars. I guess I'd have to agree with her because I didn't even know that there were so many black women in Bond films. There's not a lot. I think there's only like six. But I mean, that's just such a white identified movie to me. If you, do you guys know what I mean? Like, I just feel like Bond is such a white movie. I enjoy them. They're good. I like action films. But they just like, I, I just never associated them with that. They were including black women in their films in the early 70s, which wasn't really a big thing, especially in such mainstream um, film. So I would definitely say, yeah, Trina's probably right. They probably did pave the way for like what we're seeing. And like I said in, earlier in the episode, the new 007 is going to be a woman and she's black. So, I mean, that's crazy that we're going from like one black woman appearing in the early 70s to a black woman playing the protagonist. So it's pretty crazy. But yeah, I mean, like I said, look them up on Instagram. They both still look amazing. I think they're both still working. Gloria's book is really, really good. I think Trina is working on a book. I definitely want to read hers as well. Um, and yeah, that is Black Bond Girls Part 1. Let me know if you guys want a Part 2. Like I said, 
there I think there are five or six black bond girls and I can probably do one more episode like this we're also going to do our black exploitation episode that's in this format so let me know if you like it okay guys thank you for listening to another episode of vixen if you liked today's episode please leave us a review um if you have a submission feel free to email vixenpodcast at gmail.com that's vixenpodcast at gmail.com and we'll be back next week with an all-new episode